I'm Ricky. And I'm Joe, and this is Season 6, Episode 13 of the Beer and Broadband Podcast. It's supposed to come out on October 2nd, 2023. And today, we're drinking a year-old beer. It's uh, actually the Dark Side of the Pumpkin that I made last year, and, uh, you know, it's 7.5% ABV. Um, I got a kit from Boom Chugalug, and uh, it was a pumpkin beer kit. And um, last year, we talked about this beer, uh, but I had some left over because I made a lot of beer last year. I mean, I made so much beer. I haven't been, I've been giving it away all year, just giving it away. And no one, no one has been able to drink through the roughly 40 gallons of beer that I made last year with me. I'm, I think I'm down to like maybe five gallons left. Okay, that's not but too it's bad. But still, still a year later, that's a lot. Um, okay, so I'm babbling on. Tell me what you think about the beer. It's pretty good. I'll say without knowing it's a pumpkin beer, I think it's mellowed so much it'd be a little hard to place it mm-hmm. as a pumpkin beer. But it's very, very smooth, good mouthfeel, good level of carbonation that's held up for that year. I mean, I think if I got served this in a bar, I'd be very happy with it. But all I'd be able to tell you about is like, yeah, it's a good dark beer, you know. So, um, you know, it's a lager. It's not a stout or a porter. So it's, you know, on that dark side, but not as as dark. I think one of the things that I don't love about it is the head goes away, like, really fast. That's true. It yeah. does. Uh, the other thing... Um, and this was my brewing, like me learning more about brewing. Mm-hmm. My, like some of my oatmeal stouts and things like that, they retain a frothier head because I had better temperature control and things like that with the protein chains. Uh, that was a statement. Like I ran two sentences together. Mm-hmm. I had better temperature control and things like that and were able to retain more of the protein chains, is what I was saying. Um, but the, the carbonation level is really good, mm-hmm. especially for a year-old beer. It was very pumpkin forward when I when we first had it last year, but it's always been a bit more of a like kind of mellow beer. It wasn't like real heavy. I I would have to go back to the episode and hear exactly what we said. This is just what mm-hmm. I remember about it. What I can say is I know it's a pumpkin beer. I can pick out the pumpkin flavor, but it's just kind of like um, like a a saison that has like a melon flavor to it or something like that yeah. in I mean, in the flavor profile not necessarily like the yeah. other things it's got a little bit of that sweet earthiness that you can really feel at the very end mm-hmm. and you can recognize it's pumpkin if you know it's a pumpkin beer right but like if you don't know that's what it is it's easy to be like man this is good yeah i wonder what this is yeah you know, like exactly there's, there's a flavor <laughs> there it's more than just you know the malt and the hops but I don't know, it'd be hard to place it but i mean in all honesty, like, that sounds like a, a negative. It's really not. Yeah. Like, I liked it when it was really pumpkin forward. That had some good taste to it, if I'm remembering correctly. But also, just, like, this is such a sippable beer. Yeah. Like, you could have this with any meal. You know, it pair almost perfectly with everything. You know, even some, like, delicate stuff. Like, you can do fish as long as it's fried. I'm not sure, yeah. like, a grilled fish would be quite as good with it. But definitely, like, a fish and chips or something like this would fit so well. Oh, yeah. Like, so comfy. Something you like know? a breaded fish yeah. or like a breaded chicken meal would go yeah, really like some go. fried shrimp or something like yeah. that would be so good. Yeah, this this would be great. Or like um, something I've done with it is I've cooked brats in it, like oh, chicken yeah, brats yeah, or I something like that. that. It takes on like that kind of melony flavor. Mm-hmm. And it's got an earthiness to it, like you said. It's really nice. And especially with like it having like um, over six percent ABV, it's not the highest ABV beer, you know, or anything like that. But it's 
you know, like for beers, anything, when you get over 6%, they generally tend to have like some sort of wonkiness yeah. there where they can start picking up those extra bitter flavors or something like that. And that works really well for stouts. That's why stouts are generally over 6%, right? Mm -hmm. But for like, um, you know, something like this, it's a little bit more delicate in flavor. Not too bad. Yeah, I'm really pretty not. proud. I'm pretty proud of how it turned out. I mean, not that I came up with the recipe. It was a kit, but yeah, still. but still, you brewed it well. Yeah. So if you, if it's available and you like melon beers and you're listening to this podcast in 2023, check out uh, like either the Amazon listings for Boom Chugalug or, um, you know, go to their website and just order it. Especially if in the U.S., it's easy to get. It comes within a couple of weeks. It's always fresh and it's pretty darn good stuff. So let's talk about what it was like for me to go to LTX. Um, so... Right after LTX, there was a whole bunch of drama about stuff. I'm not going to get into all that. Mm -hmm. I kind of just backed off from, like, you know, being involved with, like, YouTube creator stuff, you know, watching that or, like, funding anything or anything like that until I figured out what was going on with that. It doesn't seem like there was anything that was necessarily unethical. There's still some questions I have about, like, other things. Not talking about that, yeah. you know. Um, but uh, when it comes down to just, like, what was the experience like to travel to Canada? You know, what was the experience like to go? I've been to other professional trade shows. Mm -hmm. What was that kind of like? So I let you know that I was going to bring up this topic. I can kind of just run through it, but I thought maybe you'd have some questions or like curious like thoughts or something like that, especially since you've been to Cisco Live and stuff like that at this point. Yeah, I was actually going to get to that. Like compared to what we would generally call like a, a trade conference, mm -hmm. right? So like the ones generally put on by fairly large companies. You know, not that Linus Tech Tips and all that are not, you know, they make money. Yeah. But no one would say, hey, man, you know, LTX, that's going to be crazy. They're putting in a bajillion dollars into it. Like, how was how that just from the, the shock and awe of, like, you show up and the stuff? Yeah. So, uh, coming from something like a self, mm -hmm. it's definitely bigger. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because, yeah, like, a self... It, is that's more like a guided pace like here's a couple rooms right to do your own thing and like on the other end for these big trade shows like a cisco live it's like here's everything in the world right i've got trucks <laughs> on the show floor to show off like ford automation yep. and stuff like that like on that spectrum where did ltx sit? so i would say like if it's if cisco live was a 10 and mm -hmm. self was a one right mm -hmm. it's a solid like six okay and the reason I say it's a six and not like a four or five, it's really small compared to uh, like a Cisco Live or something mm -hmm. like that. But they have a lot of stuff crammed into it. It's probably about one day's worth of stuff if you're not doing like crazy activities or buying tons of merch or something like that. Because yeah. there are a lot of people there, right? Um, one of the other things, they had like whole sections that were like the whale thing. So they made these jokes about people because – you know, a whale in like video game terminology mm -hmm. is someone who, for anybody that doesn't know, is someone who spends a lot of money on like a free to play game or something like yeah. that, right? Or maybe they buy a non free to play game, like say like a World of Warcraft, but they buy all the merch and everything that mm -hmm. has to do with it. Um, and they tend to buy like, you know, really expensive stuff, right? So they had a whole package that was like $11,000 okay. to yeah, go. Yeah. And they had a whole section that was just for these people to go and play video games together and then like race RC cars and like kind of mm -hmm. be segmented off. And they got their own merch and everything like that. And I think 
it was like a joke that was kind of taken seriously. Like is the way it kind of felt like, yeah, okay, we'll give you guys this stuff. You can, you can feel like you're better than the plebs, but you don't really get anything other than the ability to like play some video games. Yeah. You didn't really like get anything else. Well, you did get a, a, a gaming computer out of it. They like actually okay. gave you like a six or $7,000 gaming computer. Oh, wow. Okay. And I think your hotel room is paid for too. But yeah, but you know, considering you're not really getting anything else other than like a little VIP lounge. You know, that makes sense. You know, it's going right. to be $11,000, but we'll build you something in it. Okay. Yeah, it, it, it wasn't a little VIP lounge. It was a pretty significant space that everyone else could see you enjoying yourself in. So, like, it was <laughs> – you see it's what like I'm saying? Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, but it, it overall, the experience was kind of like you go in, you go through security because they did have, like, a little bit of security to make sure you weren't bringing in something you, like mm-hmm. a knife or a gun or something. You go and you check in. The check-in was pretty smooth. I just walked up and was like, hey, you know, this is my name. I, I bought a ticket. You know, give me my stuff. I've got some pictures of me, like, standing by, like, this big, like, thing that looks like a racetrack thing. Mm-hmm. And then everything else was, like, live shows and stuff like that. It kind of reminded me of, like, the Renaissance Fair in a lot of ways. Okay. Um, except it was about tech. And But this is where the negative side starts coming in for me. There's a lot of people, a lot of long lines. I got mm-hmm. to try some things like the ROG Ally. I got to play some classic video games. I think that was my favorite part of it. Like, I went into the classic video game section, and I was like, oh, they got CRTs. They got a Sony Trinitron. You oh, know, like, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. awesome stuff. Um, but, you know, I'm sitting there, and I'm going through, and I'm, I'm really enjoying myself. But it just kind of felt like an advertisement in a lot of ways for consumer electronics. Yeah, so. I was going to ask, what was that balance between, like, they're doing talks and things that are like educational versus the like here's the promotional this company came in to like try and get you to buy their product i would say it was probably about 80 percent the other like promotional thing and okay. about 20 10 percent you get to participate in like the land show or one of the other live filmings of something oh, okay, some okay. sort of like roast something like that there was educational stuff there like build your own keyboard, test out keyboards, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't just all one way or the other. Yeah. But it was like it was a fun time. It was definitely creator focused though. Like and, and when I say creator focused, I don't mean like All right, so there there's artists and then there's creators. Mm-hmm. And artists are people in my mind uh, and there's some debate about this, you know, within the creative community. Artists are people who do things that are maybe transformative. Um, And creators are people who take something that exists and then do something that is more um, interesting, not as transformative. So what I mean by that Mm -hmm. is, like, um, if if I was to take a photograph and then I was to cut it up, and I was to rearrange it, and I created an abstract out of that photograph, I have done something transformative with the original piece that was there. So I did, like, something artistic with it. Where a creator, while they may have things where they use, like, really great lighting, they do things like that, their change that they make doesn't actually change the information or anything else, like, Mm -hmm. that they're doing. They are doing something creative, but it's generally like I'm telling you about a product or I'm informing you about something or I'm making something. Now, there are some places where you blur the lines, like someone may be drawing a cartoon of them, you know, 
uh, telling stories from their childhood like Bruce Do Films does or something yeah. like that. So that could be kind of like, okay, so that kind of becomes like a little bit more art there, less less creator-y kind of stuff, even though they would still be classified as a creator because of the platform and the way that they do it, mm -hmm. right? Um, so I'm saying all that to explain that it is a creator-type situation there so and everything's focused on that so you're meeting the creators you're getting in lines you know uh, long lines to go get some merchandise that mm -hmm. has the creator's name on it. now i will say this i got some swag out of that and i got like a hoodie and stuff like that might be my favorite hoodie ever they, okay. they had good quality stuff like the pins and, and stickers and all that other mm -hmm. stuff cool but you know, at the same time. Okay, yeah. It's starting to sound to me like it's a lot like something like a Comic-Con, but for tech. Yeah, sort of, but smaller, much smaller. Because yeah, Comic-Con yeah. and, That's like, huge. yeah, it's Or, like, huge. you know, the one we have here in uh, North Carolina, GalaxyCon. Yeah, GalaxyCon. You know? GalaxyCon's still bigger mm, okay. than this. It's a little, it's, I mean, I would say maybe 20% bigger. It's just a little bit bigger. Okay. Yeah. But still, that does sound like a good time. I mean, it's almost got me a little interested in the, the whale package. Not for the VIP room, but you get like a six thousand dollar computer built by some experts. Yeah, and that's like, I would never. I, I see. I would never sit down and buy a six thousand dollar computer, but in my mind, it's like, but this would be a vacation. I would spend ten thousand dollars on a vacation. Now, you know, <laughs> getting to go to Canada and get put up, and so specifically Vancouver, mm -hmm. super expensive city, super beautiful place. Um, I mean, you've seen the pictures, Oh, yeah, right? yeah. yeah. It was Just gorgeous. gorgeous. So I would suggest, if you were wanting to do that, we get a group of people together that are interested in doing it so mm -hmm. that, like, the wives don't have to go and, like, keep us company. Because yeah, you yeah. know how socially awkward we are. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? yeah. So we go. We have fun for a day there. Maybe two because it's, like, a two-day event. Mm -hmm. And then ancillary around it, we have, you know, like, an actual vacation that we do where you know we're like this is like a tacked on thing yeah um because that's what we did and it was awesome being up there in vancouver like uh, there was a a firework competition that happened and we since we were on the other side of the bay we just got to watch it okay yeah yeah we didn't have to fight with people to like go and be near it it's like the world's largest fireworks competition it had people from all over the world that were mm -hmm. coming there to do fireworks um the city's super expensive. Um, staying there is kind of expensive, but there's all sorts of really cool stuff, like uh, the gardens that we saw and everything like that. So, yeah, I mean, going up to the mountains is less than an hour trip to get up into, like, a really nice place up in the mountains. Um, it's just a it's a cool trip. Yeah, okay. Uh, I yeah. can see it. So, I mean, if, if you were thinking about, like, doing something like that, like, get together with, like, uh, a couple of people that are, like, your tech friends. Mm -hmm. Get them to take them and their families up with you, and then you've got, like, this awesome kind of situation going on. Yeah, you I know? can see it, 100%. Yeah. All right, so I've talked all about that. Is there anything else that you had questions about about LTX or felt like might be interesting to talk about? I think I'm real hard. So, okay, there were some like participating in the show things where yeah. they're like, if you were a big fan of Linus, did they do like panels and stuff that you could attend? Yeah. Those questions? yeah. Okay. They That's had, too. They, yeah, like yeah. you could also go and meet the, 
the people that oh, were there. So nice, they had them nice. walking around, and so you could, like, talk to the hosts and stuff like that. Or you could set up a slot to go, like, get your picture taken and have them sign something and ask them a question. And then they also had, like, question and answer, like, big panels that they would do and stuff. Okay, yeah. cool. I, I mean, it was – for the money I paid for 35 bucks, it was well worth it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I, mean, I got a T-shirt. Bucks, that's not bad at all. I got a T-shirt. I got, like, all sorts of other things. I think I ended up spending $70 to get a T-shirt and um, sticker book and, like, some mm-hmm. other swag. I got, like, a lanyard and stuff like that. Okay. I don't really care about, like, the swag as much. It, it was fine. It's good quality swag. But the T-shirt's nice. Yeah, like I know that's the only thing you would care about out of it. Yeah, I was gonna say, <laughs> it would be one I could wear in public. That's, yes. that's what I found myself hit because I don't like to wear my Cisco merch in public. Yeah, and it's like I've got all these nylon like Cisco shirts and bags and stuff, and it's like, oh, okay, yeah, I don't want to leave the house with that. So I've, got, <laughs> I've got this, and I've got like my Rick and Morty shirt, and it's like, ah, uh, that's not also the best thing to wear out. Yeah, you know, I, I mean. My, that's what I like about myself shirts is like they're confusing people don't know what they are but yeah like, it's not gonna offend anybody I'm not gonna like someone's not gonna be like oh Linux huh you yeah a Linux shirt it's a it, like the shirt from this year I got two of them it's a tie dye shirt with, that just has LTX it's like a logo okay. it's yeah. really like pretty simple. yeah low profile yeah. nice and easy gotcha and and they're they feel like great they're some of the best feeling t shirts I've got I've had ever there they're better go. than the ones from self like okay. as far as feel goes. There you go. And those are normally not bad. I mean, those are pretty like yeah. average t-shirts. Oh, okay. I, the ones from Self are good. They're mm-hmm. like, um, if we had like a E to S tier ranking system, right? Okay. The ones from Self would be like B or A. These are like S, S. tier. There yeah. you go. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about Baldur's Gate 3. I've been yeah. kind of dying to talk yeah. to you about this on the podcast. I know that everybody, there's probably a whole bunch of people that listen to this podcast and you know mm-hmm. who you are if you're listening to the podcast right now that have already talked to us about Baldur's Gate gate three but okay so the video game is awesome Mm -hmm. no spoilers love the characters they put in it it feels like a whole bunch of my friends got together and they created characters and we're sitting around you know like it's like our thursday night gaming night group you know i could totally see one particular one person uh you know that starts with an l his first Mm -hmm. name uh sitting there playing asterion and I could see another person playing someone like Carlock yep. or something like that. You know, like I'm like, okay, these are their characters, right? Um, and because of that, you know, I kind of like sit there and, and think I probably don't need to describe the video game aspect of it. But the D&D game aspect of it, I think, is something that nobody's really talking about. They just kind of say, oh, this is a fantastic homage to D&D. Yeah. Yeah, so what are your thoughts on Baldur's Gate 3 being the best, like if we were to play a campaign, mm-hmm. like just pull out the yeah. you know thing, lay it out, you had these as some pre-made characters, what do you think about it being like possibly one of the best ways to play like D&D, like actually like play D&D? Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest, I think it's fairly phenomenal at that. There are a couple things it shies away from because it, it does have some constraints to the video games, you know, illusions being one of them and some things like that that are a little sparse. But, I mean, overall, it's very faithful to the system. It improves on the system in a lot of places. Really makes some, like, different classes, especially different subtypes, like subclasses, really stick out. Yeah, yeah. Like, Thief is a little underwhelming in 5e. Mm-hmm. It's not bad by any means, but it's certainly not 
anywhere close to the best subtype or subclass for Rogue. It's does such a good job of like that feeling different. It's like your assassins always are like, hey, if you can get off a sneaky attack, you do more damage because you're an assassin. Right. You're an arcane trickster. Well, you can now use magic as well. And thieves normally can't do that. So that's, boom, something new. In 5e, a thief kind of gets better at climbing. Yep. That's sometimes useful depending on the campaign. You know, you get an extra object interaction. Well, that can, again, maybe be useful depending on the campaign. But in Baldur's Gate, you just get an extra bonus attack. Yeah. All the things the rogues can already do extra with their bonus actions is like, okay, boom. That's huge. Yeah. A thief misses out on damage, misses out on magic, but can move around faster, can hide more often, can, you know, yeah. you know, do dodges and other things that another one normally wouldn't be able to do as easily. That's huge. Like a nice little bonus to the action economy. I really love a lot of the changes to the spell casting. I think it's great and frankly I've always kind of home ruled it that prepared casters can redo their spells as long yeah. as they're not in combat. Some of them already can, like clerics can, but like wizards can't for some reason. Right. So like wizards being able to do that is huge. It really helps their flexibility. I love what they did to haste. Yeah. I think the a lot of the spells they rebalance, they rebalance really in the right direction. So I mean I would I would almost say if they would take their system, put it in a book, and then fill in those couple gaps that you don't have with a video game it would be a better system than just regular 5e. Yeah, I I agree. I think also um, the way, like some of the mechanics they put in that aren't like necessarily action economy mechanics, mm -hmm. like the whole camp mechanic, like being able to go in and have story moments in camp. Yeah. Um, you know, those things are really great. And they, even though they're video gamey because mm -hmm. you get to see like the way that things are happening, when you're really looking at it like if you have like um like a, a hat that you could draw events out of and you had some that are like camp events i kind of want to in introduce that into some of my games now mm -hmm. like you know get into an argument with one of the care with one of the other characters over something yeah you know, have have like a moment where you catch one character doing something that maybe they don't want you to see you know, or like mm -hmm. something like that, and adding those like moments to have like really good storytelling. Um, you know, I mean, they always have like romances and stuff in their games. The Larian does, and that's just kind of par for the course. People want that stuff, right? I don't know if I'd necessarily go all those routes, you know, but depending on how people were playing and what they were playing and who was playing what, maybe. I mean, that is kind of built into things like Dragonlance and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, the romance and the characters, you know, like being together and loving each other and stuff like that. Like kind of like, I mean, even even like the brotherly relationships that uh, Karaman and Raceland have, right? Like this kind of thing. So it's, I think for me, as opposed to a game like Icewind Dale, mm -hmm. which was a fantastic story-driven game the choices that you get to make and how they affect what goes into the game like really feels like i'm playing D. &D. yeah yeah no i completely agree i i really think the only failings the game has is just it does have to be bound to a fairly strict medium yeah you know yeah there's no real room for interpretation of actions in a video game. Right. You know, 
Um, you're just never going to get that. That's imagination play. Right. The machine's not smart enough to try and pull that off. But overall, very, very impressed with the system. You know, I haven't gotten super far into the story and all mm -hmm. that. But even just in the beginning, you know, you can tell how much thought went into other actions. And they were willing to take some risks. Right. So I, I wouldn't consider this a spoiler because it happens really – you can have it within, like, the first hour of the game. But the first, like, major location you go to outside of the tutorial has a particular item that's very important to the people who are there, who right. most of the people who are there. Yep. Um, and I'm sure somewhere in the story you can be convinced by the group of people who don't want that item to still be there to take it for them. Right. And that triggers some hostilities between those two groups. Yes. Which, that's amazing story planning. Right. Now, again, constraints of the video game. I just said, what would happen if I just take it? <laughs> just walked my character right up, picked it up. But then the hostility still broke out between the two groups. Right, because there was assumptions. There was assumptions, yeah. which there shouldn't have been because they saw me pick it up. I, right. I, was, I was a paladin. I didn't even sneak. Right. Like, I, I literally just walked up in my plate armor in front of all these people that had it picked it up and then the cutscene played of the two groups just trying to brawl it out it's like yeah. whoa that got a little extreme yeah. <laughs> i was thinking oh you'd arrest me oh you'd attack me i was really ready for you to attack me i wasn't prepared for you to kill that innocent man on the yeah. other side of town right you know? <laughs> but so you know there's there's gaps like that but frankly the fact that they even just thought hey even if you're you don't have a quest objective to go take it i'll still let you go take it right is is a positive for me yeah, and there's, um, I mean, there's so many different avenues by which you could do things. Mm -hmm. That is one of the reasons that I love Divinity Original Sin, um, the two. The, the first one I liked a whole lot, yeah. and it was a good game, but I can see how it, like, Divinity Original Sin, Divinity Original Sin 2, and then Baldur's Gate 3. And Original Sin 2 was, like, my main go-to D&D-like game, because it feels like you're playing D&D, &D, mm -hmm. right? But then this is like the perfection of that in many yeah, ways. Yeah, I mean, it really feels like, again, if you could get those rules written down, that would just be a more fun version of 5e. Yeah, I agree. I mean, oh, especially like, it, I don't want to say it's boring to be a martial character. It's not be, when you're playing in person because you've got all that role playing. But mechanically, it's very simple. You're a champion right. fighter. I'm going to attack. I'm going to attack. I'm going to attack. Even just the inclusion of like once per short rest, you have two or three special moves you can do based on your weapon. That's huge. I think they, they borrowed that from Pathfinder, but just, just putting something that simple in D&D of like, I have a weapon that can make enemies bleed, so I have a special like bleed attack that right. I can do once per short rest is huge for the class just feeling more varied. Yes, absolutely. Uh, they, they, I think mechanically and story-wise, like setting-wise, like yeah, they, they really improved on things. You know. Yeah, it, it feels a lot like you are playing, exactly what you said before, it feels a lot like you're playing D&D with people and not here is an epic fantasy like akin to like a Lord of the Rings that right. I put in this setting. Yes, absolutely. Which that's, I mean, I do love those games too, but that's more like kind of what the original Icewind Dells and Planescape Torment mm -hmm. and stuff like that kind of felt like. Those games were great. I'm not, some of my favorite games ever. I just feel like this is like the next step out of those things yeah and i'm I mean, glad it, that it's here yeah i mean every time i play it i'm thinking man i wish i had three other people to play this with yeah not that the those characters you get as companions aren't good they are really good characters 
it's just it's such a good sandbox to be like man if we could just get three people together and like we're gonna play for two hours a week we could just explore this whole world and you know whatever we wanted at after i get done with my playthrough i kind of want to do that like mm -hmm. me and you and some of our guys from our thursday night game just get together and you know like have a fun time yeah absolutely i know some other people that are doing that and they're having a blast i i bet because the, just a the little bit of playing with like one or two people has been a lot of fun yeah um, I, me and my wife did a little PVP battle and it was the most satisfying things in the world <laughs> because I just, I got really lucky. I was playing a paladin. I have it with set so that when you, um, get a critical hit, you automatically also use your divine smite because it doubles those dice as well. And very first attack just happened to be a nat 20. Smack. Yep. <laughs> that was it. That was it. That it was, was we're going to fight. I went first. Bam. Done. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's the end of what we had to say about that without getting into spoilers about mm -hmm. the game. Uh, you sure you don't have anything else? No, it, it is a fantastic game. Yeah. If you haven't picked it up, you should. So this has been Season 6, Episode 13 of the Beer and Broadband Podcast. Uh, it's coming out on October 2nd, 2023. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time.